What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going very well, Graham. It's interesting to hear you doing that intro again. Instead of uh, that Mark Andre character from last week, that that was some weird shit, huh? Well, you know, now that we're back home, I think we can, you know, in the moment there, uh, I think we wanted to give the, the users a little insights on why we were in San Diego, who the fuck is Mark Andre, et cetera, et cetera, and why we couldn't curse, why I couldn't say the F. I see you're back to drop an F box. Not even ten seconds into the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, at least on the talking side, not the theme song, but. Yeah, it was, it was a weird experience, you know. Um, you want to you want to give us a little little background there as to what was happening. I think now that we're not in a uh, you know life and death scenario, we can we can talk about it a little bit. It was a hostage situation. No, yeah. um, he flew us out there um, under the guise of giving us all new recording equipment that he was going to pay for, and all we had to do was try it out at his place. Um. Sort of like yeah, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it was it was it was uh, cheaper than than you know you're expecting, but the quality of the equipment seemed legit from that picture we saw on on Craigslist. And uh, we figured, you know, why not spend uh, five days in San Diego? Get, you have a little vacation, yeah, and um, maybe pick up some badass audio equipment. Right. So I, we went with our gut. Uh, I've been told I'm a terrible judge of people's character mm. and uh, I was like you know what this Mark Andre guy he just seems like he checks out I don't I don't know what it especially is especially with that name you know yeah. Mark Andre <laughs> sounds like, kind of regal like what something. have you yeah, exactly what have you better Mark Andre that is not to be trusted right right um, but yeah so it was, it was a little strange but at the end of the day uh, we made it back and we got content out that's what's most important sure uh, Mark Andre I, I did like his enthusiasm yeah, you know, he's very enthusiastic, and you could tell that he had, a, he had a passion for Atlanta sports, for sure. Granted, um, what what would you say, 99.7% of the other users probably have more knowledge base than him? I would say so, and also, what was really interesting is after we got off the air, he actually made some good points that I wish we could have recorded. He did! What was he talking <laughs> about? It was, like, very well thought out. It was like a, a squirrel mentality on air, but a thinker's mentality off air. It's interesting. Mm, yeah. But um, it was a good time. It was a good time. And we actually had a good time with him, even though we were at gunpoint. I, yes. At one point when I was drinking, I was like, and, uh, you know, I was having a good time. We were, we were we were shooting the shit and talking about, like, you know, we played some tennis with him, too. Yeah. I was like, ah, this guy would be kind of fun to hang out with him. I, uh, you know, on the regular, you know, come out here. Or he can come to Atlanta. And then I, I looked to my left. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a like, He's pointing a gun at my well, head. I was like, Mark, you know, you can put the gun down. Like, right. we're staying, man. <laughs> the flight's not until Monday. Yeah, where the fuck are we going to go? Yeah. Um, but that was a good time. Um, and also, I'm, I'm glad tonight we are finally recording, because I've been over at the Graham Waldrop studio now for like an hour. Right. And and, and we'll, we'll tell you guys why uh, maybe the sound quality isn't the best in the world. We, we left our... our blue microphone in San Diego. We did not get our audio equipment that we wanted to purchase from Mark Andre. We had to make a break for it. It was either our lives or the audio equipment. And we chose the, uh, our lives. And we also, unfortunately left little blue all the way in San Diego. So it really went the opposite way we were hoping for. We've now downgraded. Yeah. But so so this week, unfortunately we're using the, uh, the computer speakers because we haven't had a chance to uh, purchase a replacement for our little, uh, blue snowball microphone. 
but we will uh, be be getting her back, hopefully, yeah. or uh, you know, getting a, a replacement for her this week. And so the next episode, I promise, will be better audio quality. So pardon us, uh, pardon our audio quality this week. But I, I am glad that the, the internal mic is finally rolling because Graham's been trying to discuss Atlanta sports with me for the last hour, and I was like, man, we got to we talk about it on the podcast, Graham. We can't talk about it in real life too. Then we don't talk about it on the podcast. That's a good point, Adam. Because um, I, I don't. Maybe you forgot that our podcast we strictly discuss Atlanta professional sports, so we can literally talk about anything else in the world off air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I told you earlier, I'm not talking sports or movies. I'm not really talking about anything. So. <laughs> good point. And you're not a big movie guy, so the only thing I talk with you about really is sports. That so leaves so sports kind of shit out of luck. You're right. Um, yeah, let's jump right into the show here. It's been a little bit since we've talked to you guys. The Braves are, let's go with some Braves stuff first. Braves are three and a half games up as, uh, as of us recording this episode on the 28th, I believe, of August in 2018. Um, three and a half games up in the Phillies. Phillies have been struggling. Braves have been keeping, you know, steady hand, steady hold on that first place, uh, lead. We, uh, unfortunately split with the Marlins. But overall, had a very good road trip, swept the Pirates, and the starting pitching has been outstanding. Yeah, go, going into that road trip, if you said five and two, you'd be happy with it. Right. But on the other hand, like, you're right, it is a little disappointing since we started off with that sweep of the Pirates. Mm-hmm. But also just shows how far we've come this year in terms of our expectations. Right. It's like now we expect to go out and win every series, which you would never have thought of in a million years in, in April, or even when the team was hot. You didn't think at this point for approaching September that we'd be winning the division. The Nationals, I think, are eight and a half out as of tonight. Um, you know, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. I'm not writing off Philly or the Nationals. But um, things are looking things are looking pretty good. We have, you know, the brutal part of our schedule coming up with games, uh, two game series against Tampa, one game against Chicago, then the Red Sox coming to town. Then I think we have two series against the Phillies. Um as well, and I think one series against the Mets. And it's, it's you mentioned that random game against the Cubs. Yes, I did. Okay, I was watching TV. Right, that's going to be uh, it's a scary schedule, man. Yeah, yeah, that West Coast trip is what scares me mm-hmm. in particular. Um, I mean, we've always kind of historically struggled on the West Coast, but going to play are the Diamondbacks in first place? I think so. Yeah, we play Arizona. Yeah, I think we have four in Arizona and then three in San Francisco, uh, which is pretty scary. So we need to have a good homestand here. Right. Uh, the potential's there. I mean, Tampa Bay, they have been hot as hell. They won eight in a row heading into the night. They just, I think they swept or took two or three from Boston, which is incredible. Yeah. They're not out of the playoff race either. They're still playing for something. No, nah, they're out of it. Oh, they're out of it? Yeah. They're, I mean, <laughs> I mean they're, they're nine games, I think, over 500. I mean, there's still, there's still a lot of it, baseball it, left to be played, Adam. It, remember, in, in the American League, they are out of it. But remember, the Braves were, I think, nine games, ten games up, and the wild card in 2011 and choked it away. Anything can happen. So, Fair. If they were in the National League... They'd have a much better chance. Yes. And they'd probably have a much better record, considering they wouldn't be playing the Yankees and the, the Red Sox half the time. Right. But that's their problem. That's not our problem. True. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about this pitching staff again. Um, Goss, Gossman is, is one guy we haven't talked about a lot on the show since we required him um, at the trade deadline, but he's been one of the best pickups, I think, of, of said trade deadline. He, he's been invaluable 
a huge upgrade in this rotation. And after his first start, converted to the stretch, ever since then has just been unbelievable. 27 innings pitched, 22 strikeouts, only giving up three earned runs uh, and five walks. In total in August, if you include that one start he had with us uh, where he pitched from the from the windup, he's a 1.69 ERA, uh, 4-0 for people who give a shit about wins four and one. Four and one. Um, well, since we acquired him. Yeah. I mean, that split split finger pitch he has, it's like a revelation. Yeah, it's he's been phenomenal, as you've mentioned, with those numbers. And it's kind of like when we made the deal, we I think we both agreed it was worth it because of his potential. Right. And so with him moving to the National League, getting out of the American League East, coming to a team with a much better defense – Yep. than Baltimore had as a ground ball pitcher. Right. It's been huge. And then that, that switch to the stretch has kind of been the the really the thing that's made it click the most for him as well. Right. And which makes sense. Like I, I think that'll be something we see out of a lot more pitchers going forward. Well I think specifically for him, I read it as something about the elevation he's getting on his fastball would be would be helped. You know, he'd get his his pitches he would um, be able to control his fastball a little bit, get a little bit more in the zone if he pitched from the stretch for whatever reason in terms of the way he was delivering his fastball. And it's just made all the difference in the freaking world. And that, that split finger, man, there was this one night, I can't remember who it was against, but he had that, it was the night he had eight strikeouts. And that thing was just dancing and darting all around. It looked like it was going right down the middle. And right when it got to the plate, it just died. I mean, if he pitches like, if he keeps pitching like this the rest of the season, I'm not saying he's going to only give up three and runs the whole time. But he's got to be in contention for a playoff uh, start if we make the postseason. Oh, absolutely. He's got to be your second or third guy. <clears throat> I was going to say number one. Arguably. Arguably. The, the way he's throwing. And he's got postseason experience, which is something that Fulte and Newcomb do not have. Right. But, I mean, I, I think our three are set. Yeah. I think whatever order you want to put them in is Those three, yeah. But, honestly, you know, I've been harder on Fulte, I think, than you have <clears throat> this year. But his last couple of starts have just been ridiculous, too. I mean, the, the, the Braves rotation as a whole, let's, let's point this out. The last 26 games, a 2.46 ERA, 199 batting average against in terms of facing their opponents. And uh, it, it's, it's been one of the reasons why we are winning, you know, the games are winning because the offense has hit a little, little bit of a rough patch uh, on that road trip. They weren't scoring a lot of runs. There's a lot of 2-1 victories, you know. Three one four one. It's not like we were dropping ten runs anymore, or or getting you know a big night where we get uh, a lot of contributions up and down the lineup. It's been the starting pitch has been carrying us right now. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of been the beauty of this team is that it seemed like when our pitching was a little more erratic, or the it was mainly the the starting pitch has been pretty consistent all the year. Overall, minus Julio Tehran, they've stepped it up, including Julio the last month. Julio has been better, certainly. I mean, Julio has like a two something ERA in August, so he's he's been good. Yeah, no, he he's he stepped he stepped it up. He had a great, uh, you know, it was the the real shame was that series against the Rockies in which we were swept. We should have won, won two of those games, <coughs> one of which uh, Fulte had just pitched one of the best games I've ever seen him pitch, and and Tehran had you know pretending like it was 2014 again. Um, you know, unfortunately, the bullpen blew both those games, but. You know, we owe a lot of where we are in the last couple of weeks, last really the last month to this starting rotation. So the goal is, and the the fear in that though is that these young guys they've never pitched this far, um, this many innings. Yeah, but I think I think Fulte especially, I think that's your ace right now. Oh yeah, I mean you can make the argument for Gosman, um, 
But Fulte, with his you know power pitching, wins in the playoffs. I think we've seen that time and time again. And and Fulte, you know, thirty one strikeouts over his last four starts, which is outstanding. Um, over twenty six point two innings pitched. He's actually pitching past the sixth inning. I think his last two starts, he's gone in the seventh and the eighth inning. Uh, looked great against that uh, against the Marlins. Also in his last start, unfortunately, we couldn't score a run that game. We got shut out, but. I'm I'm willing to declare him the you know if we have a wild card game or if it's game one in the NLDS if we make the postseason he's my guy right now yeah he's just got that fucking look I, I, I think that's the way it'll turn out he's attacking he's not losing his temper as much he's just he's he's zoned in man something is clicking with him he's been good all year but now he's now he's you know the thing that I've always bitched about with Fulte is just he can't go deep in games it's like yeah you got two a sub a sub uh, three or a which is amazing but you're only pitching five innings you're only facing these guys two times you're not going deep into the game but you know the Rockies are a damn good team he made them look like chumps so on talking chop they were kind of having the same conversation and they also said uh, Fulte would be the only guy that they would let see a playoff lineup three times he's the only guy because that's just the way it's going to be the starter's going to go through the lineup twice and then bullpen I think you kind of, um, if you do that, you sort of play into a, a weakness of ours right now, which is the bullpen. The only guy I really, there's only two people I really trust right now in the bullpen. Johnny Venters, who still hasn't given up a run in a Braves uniform, and Dan Winkler. Winkler has been shut down. You don't trust a mentor? I trust mentor to a degree. I mean, he's been our best pitcher out of the bullpen. Yeah, but what have you done for me lately is sort of where I'm at right now. What has now. he done wrong for you lately? He blew the damn save against the Rockets. One game. Yeah. And then he came back and was shut down against the Marlins. The guys, Craig Kimbrell had like 12 blown saves his rookie year. Okay. That's the first one Minters had. He's had more than that. No, that's his first blown blown save. Yeah. Minter also has had this year control issues. Winkler, I think, has been up and down over the course of the season, has been our best bullpen guy. Hasn't gotten hurt. Hasn't gone through a huge stretch where he's you know struggled. He's been super consistent. That's the guy I'm leaning on in the playoffs. I mean, him, Biddle, Brock, Venters, and Min- Minter. Minter, yeah, I think that, those are that's your all guys. you need in the those playoffs. I would like, and uh, apparently Shane Carl, who's been on the DL for a little while, I think he's done really well. I would also throw him in that conversation as well. I think he's been very good this season. Unfortunately. Um, the ghost of Christmas past, Sam Freeman, is back, and he was used in a very high leverage situation against the Marlins and somehow got out of it over the weekend. But I don't understand um, your boy Snickers' infatuation with Sam Freeman. He was hella good at the beginning of the year. He was, and he was really good last season. But he is a lost cause this year. And 50, I think he's thrown 53 innings or something. It's like a 5-3 ERA. That's for a reliever. It's awful. His whip is awful. Everything about it, all the peripherals, terrible. But we're, let's not talk playoffs too much. No, let's not talk playoffs get, too much. Get but, ahead of ourselves. But the thing is, though, is that, <clears throat> I mean, this team has breathed life into the city again, man, in terms of baseball. You see it in the crowd. You see people, more people talking about the games. Um, had another sellout on Saturday night. I think Friday was a sellout, too, uh, when we had when we were playing the Rockies. They need to stop bl- Losing all these weekend home games. Though. It's kind of depressing. It's like every time, man. But so how are, how are you feeling about um, the offense right now? You think it's just a sort of bump in the road kind of thing? Or are we seeing something that could be a little more prolonged? I think the good news is 
I mean, there's multiple guys struggling right now. Ozzy's right? struggling. Including our best two hitters, Freddie and Marquecas. Yeah. They've both been struggling over the last couple of weeks. Freddie, yeah, Freddie struggled against the Marlins, which he, he normally owns them, but I think he only got like one or two hits that whole series. He wasn't getting on base a lot. Um, you know, that's fine. Freddie's been really hot. Ever since he went through that little cold spell sort of during the middle of the summer, he's been he's been daggers since then. So, And Marquecas has, hasn't gone through a prolonged slump the entire season. So I think, you know, dog days of summer – we're getting closer to September. Guys are wearing down. And remember, I don't think they've had a day off the whole season. I don't think they've been. Well, that's the thing. Was neither of them want a day off. So I don't know if Snickers just got to put his foot down and be like, Freddie, you're taking this one off. But yeah, and it was he's the face of the franchise. So if he says, play me, you got to play. I mean, you lose him, you lose so much value. That that changes the entire way a well, pitcher attacks a lineup. Yeah, but don't, I mean, don't you think he could use a day off though? Oh yeah, no, I think I think. Um, one of those games against the Marlins would have been the time to do it, in my opinion, because now we're playing opponents that are going to be <clears throat> incredibly – not that the Marlins weren't competitive in that series. They actually were a little more competitive than I thought they'd be. But now you're playing teams down the stretch, other than the Mets, who are going to give you hell every freaking day. But I think that's – the point I was trying to make was I think that's good news that those two guys have been struggling. And you don't worry, I don't worry about Freddie or Marquecas. They're going to get it going again. Oh, yeah. So the fact that we were still able to play winning baseball with those guys struggling, it's a great sign. Right. That's the thing I love about this team. You know, early in the season, the bullpen was lights out when the when the rotation was struggling. The offense was, was carrying them. And the offense, you know, went through a lull near the all-star break. And um, then the rotation got a little better. Then the offense came out and was great. And the bullpen started to suck. And now the bullpen's been pretty, you know, and, and the rotation in general has been really good when the offense has <coughs> sputtered. So it's like there's never been sort of a consistent period where the whole team has just flat out sucked. It's like when the offense is down, the pitching staff picks them up and vice versa. Yep. The defense has remained consistent yeah. overall. The thing we got to get figured out is who's our number two hitter. Because yeah. when we were really clicking, it was <coughs> Ozzy batting first and Acuna in that spot. Or yeah. But, I mean, Ozzy was playing just out of his mind. That first month of April when we were scoring like 10 runs every day. Yeah, and, you know, with Ozzy, I'm not – you know, we've seen him go through these stretches before where he slumped. Like when like when he started off the season, he actually, you know, was initially hitting like 150. And then he picked it up right around like mid-April. You know, right now he's definitely going through a stretch where he's not – he's actually – you know what? I think there's been a change in his approach. I'm not seeing the same aggressiveness that I saw in the early part of the season. I think pitchers are starting to pitch him a little differently with uh, more off-speed stuff. They're not throwing a lot of first-pitch fastballs to him. And he's actually getting a little – you know, he's drawing more walks, which is good. He's taking more pitches. But the sort of offensive explosion we saw during the first part of the season isn't there anymore. I think he's only had one home run. In the second half. In the second half. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, I almost wonder if him hitting all those homers early did kind of hurt him because then he starts thinking he's a power hitter and not playing the same type of way. I think it's been more of an adjustment period on both sides. Which happens. But, yeah, both with the opposing pitchers and with how his approach is because he's getting more walks. He only had three walks, I think, in July, and I think now he's well over that number in uh, the month of August. So the question is – I mean, so Enciarte's hitting there right now. I know your thoughts on that, that he's not the answer to hit two. No, but he's... Um, he's, he's been doing He's better. been all right. He's been all right. He's definitely doing better than he was in the first half of the season offensively. 
Um, but he's not the guy I want hitting two. I like Culberson at two when he's in the lineup. So here's the thing about Charlie Clutch. And Dansby has actually picked it up a lot. He's hit more home runs. He's getting on base a little more. And last, his, last his, couple his, weeks, Dansby's yeah. been big. Yeah. His season um, his, his season statistics still aren't great. I think he's still like sub-300 OBP. But I don't want him in second. But every time Charlie Culberson is in the game, the guy does something. He makes a huge impact. He's hitting a home run or he's getting a clutch base hit or he's um, – I don't know. He's coming through big offensively. Like I remember, I actually thought about this the other day when he hit a home run against the Marlins, uh, and you were like, "You know, that guy's just going to go in postseason and hit like a free run bomb when you least expect it." And yeah, you know, I I, <laughs> I totally agree. Like I, he's going to be. He's like Rick and Keel. Yeah, like I kind of want him to be your everyday starting shortstop still, even though I know Dansby has picked it up a little bit. Culberson is just in in a zone right now, and it's not something I think that's going to last forever, and I don't think it's gonna, he's going to replicate it next year. But I would write it out, man, because the dude is hot as a hellfire. Yeah, I mean, Snit's been doing a good job getting him in the lineup pretty consistently one way or another. Sure. Whether it's switching Camargo over to short, giving Camargo a day off. Yeah. Ozzy's gotten a couple days off here. Dansby got a day off the other day, um, which is good. I mean, I want him to still have – I mean – I don't know. I still want him to have regular playing time. I know Dansby's a better defensive shortstop than Culberson, but I don't know, man. I, I think he's a, good, I, he's a good piece to have. He's a great piece to have. He can play multiple positions, and I kind of want to see him start every day. I'd like to do like a week trial with him or a week and a half trial with him to start every day and see what happens. Because even though I think Dansby can contribute. The tough thing is that Dansby's defense is so much is, is better than Culberson's, and you value defense so much at the shortstop position that it's kind of like you're sort of between a rock and a hard place a little bit. If you go with, with Dansby, you get better D. If you go with, with Charlie, you get you know a more impact bat. More consistent offense. Yeah. Good problem to have, though. Right, and, and Dansby has picked it up considerably. I think he has five or six home runs recently, and he's had – and they've come in big moments, starting with that game that we went to against the Brewers that we mentioned last show. It's been clutch. Yeah. Let's uh let's switch gears a little bit here and mm-hmm. talk about what we what the team definitely desperately needs, which is a big bat off the bench. Yeah, uh Adam Duvall has not worked out. I think he's hitting one twenty one since coming to the Braves, uh like one ninety one on base, horrible slugging percentage. Wait, I, which I mean he's gotten like 25 at-bats. We thought the same thing about Culberson at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah, granted, but but he can only hit against lefties, so we need a, a big left-handed batter off the bench. You know what was kind of funny? I saw this on Twitter today. Someone was talking about, oh, maybe it wouldn't be worth holding on to Jose Bautista as your, as your bench guy, uh, which I disagree with personally. But, I mean, Duvall, we talk about his defensive prowess, right? But he doesn't play enough to sort of warrant us praising that defensive prowess because it's not really something that he's going to impact this team with because he's not playing every day. If he was playing every day or coming in as a defensive replacement for you know a corner outfielder who wasn't the best defender, then he would provide more value for this team. But Marquecas is decent enough defensively. Acuna is elite. I, I'm willing to say he's an elite defender at this point. I don't know if you saw that diving catch he made. Either, yeah, I did. Uh, if that was Friday night or Saturday night against the, yeah, the Marlins. That was nasty. Unfreaking believable. And um, so, and Ender, as we all know, is a, is, is a great defender. So it's not like he can come in late inning and be like, "Oh man, we're getting that defensive upgrade, we're getting that defensive pinch with with Duvall." 
he doesn't really provide much for us right now. So, and I'm going to maybe jump the gun here, but is what you're saying is that you are a Jose, Jose Bautista fan now? No, I'm not even a fan. You wish he were on the Braves. Yeah. I guess over Duvall at this point. He'll at least provide some power off the off the bench. Which I mean, Duvall barely missed a home run this weekend against Miami, but it's kinda like I, I think I've given s- up on Duvall a little too early. You think so? Yeah. I mean, he's not done much in his career other than hit home runs that really makes you think he's going to do. Which is exactly what you would want from him. Yeah, but he hasn't done shit for us since he's come over. Well, and I know, he's, I know we're going to go in circles here. Yeah, I know you're going <laughs> to bitch about the everyday plan, but it's kind of like I don't know. He, he, what do you, what do you do? We try to make a move before the wave. The waiver deadline is is coming up. Yeah, we've got a few days. I mean, that that ideally, yes. And I know we went after Matt Adams. That didn't happen. Yeah, Cardinals got him. We went after what's it? The other dude from um, the Nationals, Murphy, Mark Reynolds. Oh, Mark Reynolds. Yeah, he got that. Didn't happen either. Yeah, the Nats just pulled him back. So I don't think the Nats will let us take any other players, honestly. Which which sucks, but it makes sense on their end. Um, so I, I don't know if there's another Wiley veteran out there, but no one. It, I it'd can be really, nice to have an Eric Inski on the bench. Yeah, no one I can really think of off the top of my head. Because right right now our number one. Left-handed bat off the bench is Rio Ruiz. Yeah, he just got called up. Flaherty is was DF, DFA'd, I think, but he's in Gwinnett. So, but now he's, he's no one playing back. You know, it was funny. I saw a stat today that said that ever since Flaherty went off the team, we're averaging two less runs per game. Not that he had anything to do with that, but it's Club, just kind of clubhouse funny. guy. Clubhouse guy. You never know. But uh, he'll probably be back up for uh, September. Yeah, there's gonna be a number of guys called up then. Yeah, um, one. One guy I'm looking forward to seeing again is Tuki Tucson. Um, we didn't really talk about him when he made his debut, so uh, we are remiss for doing that. I was at the game, that, that uh, Monday doubleheader. I really liked what I saw from him. He had some control issues a little bit early on, but his curveball, some electric stuff, his knee buckling, breaking balls, man. Yeah. I think the, the, the kid has a super bright future. Ever since he's gone back down to AAA, he's been tearing it up. Um, a lot, some people have been talking about, you know, giving one of these guys, you know, Bryce Wilson did a really nice job when he came up. Some of these, some people are talking about giving these kids a chance, to, you know, if we make the postseason, give them, a, give them a shot. But so I don't know if we're at that point. No, the, so Toussaint, Bryce Wilson, and Ian Anderson. We're going to see all three of them in September. You think Ian Anderson's going to get a call? Yeah, he's going to he's going to be a bullpen guy. He he worked an inning of relief in Gwinnett. Oh, he's in Gwinnett now? I yeah. thought he was only in Mississippi. No, he's in Gwinnett. Okay. He worked in inning of relief last week. So they're kind of gearing him up for that. Interesting. Just to see what the kids got. And then Toussaint or Wilson um, could give us some spot starts here and there. Yeah. Just to get, because what I was starting to say earlier is Fulte, Newcomb, um, they've never pitched this yeah. much. Right. So give them a, a start off and have one of those guys throw it, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, so that, that's the thought. And then. Whoever, either, I mean, Bryce and Tukey both have nasty stuff, so they'd be pretty damn good option for an inning out of the bullpen. Yeah, I, you know, I was impressed with both of them, particularly Tukey. Um, I know it was against the Marlins, but I think he's he seemed like the real deal from what I can tell in that that one game. And you know, we'll see what happens. I think next year he's mm-hmm. he's certainly going to be on this on this rotation on this pitching staff. Yeah, a lot of guys are kind of talking about him as our number one pitching prospect at this point, which... I think he is. I mean, there's so many guys you could plug into that sentence. Yeah, and... Yeah, 
I, I, you know, we are we have an embarrassment of riches pitching wise right now, which is great. Thank you, copy. Thank you, copy. Wherever you are, well, he's probably kicking himself right now, man. Seeing this team doing what they're doing right now, yep. With pretty much all of his assets outside of Gossman. Yeah, I mean, Anthopolis has definitely shown his worth at this point now. No, yeah, and the Gossman move has worked out. It's been it's been big, and Brock and Venters. I mean, honestly, I think yeah. those, those three guys have really solidified this pitching staff, both in the rotation and, and bullpen, respectively. Johnny still hasn't given up a run yet, has he? No, he hasn't. He's he's been. I mean, he got that save the other night. I was like, this is vintage Johnny Venters. I feel like I'm. It's 2010 again. I mean, it was it was it was beautiful. You want to hear the most um, depressing statement I can make right now? Sure. I saw. Somewhere it was like Chernoff or someone mentioned something about like name like the most potential Atlanta moment that could happen at some point in the season. Yeah, I saw it too. First run Johnny Ventures gives up is like in the World Series to lose us and end our season. If we make the World Series, I'll be fine with that. Because who would have thunk that we would have made the freaking World Series? Well, that's what we said about the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And we lost it. You wouldn't be okay. You're not okay with that. Just because we weren't supposed to be there doesn't make it. Better. Yeah, but once I mean, you're there, it's so damn hard to get there. The thing, win the damn the thing. The thing with the Falcons is, um, you know, the Falcons have had much more postseason success over the last twenty years than the Braves have had. They've won more playoff games. They've advanced farther. Oh, they've won a championship. They've won an NFC championship. The Braves have won a World Series in '95. You fool. Yeah. What's your point? My point is, since we haven't gone to the playoffs since, I and mean, we haven't won a playoff series since 2001. The Falcons have won playoffs more recently. Play, yeah, playoff games in 2004 and 2000, uh, 2012, 2013 season. And then they won a couple playoff games. Uh, 2010? In 2016, going uh, the, 20, the, the Super Bowl year. And then we won a game last year. The Braves haven't won a playoff series in fucking 17 years. So, so if have- we get to the World Series and lose, I'm fine with it. Because you know what? This window for this team is, is open. We're going to come back to this recording and see what your reaction is if the Braves lose there in the is, World Series. There is no chance. You're going to be devastated. I will be devastated, but I will at That's least be happy that we went on this great ride with this team. Win or lose, even if we don't make the postseason, it's been a great fight. I will season. be disappointed if we don't make the postseason I, I, at this I, point. I will be too, but I'm just saying like, it's been a hell of a ride. Take solace in the fact that we are playing meaningful baseball in August for the first time since 2013. Since when are you so damn positive? This is weird. Hey, man. A trip to San Diego must have mellowed you out or something. It's, you know, you get a guy putting a gun at your head, it sort of puts you <laughs> in perspective. Enjoy the little things. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, so one last thing before we move on is kind of out of nowhere, the Braves extended Tyler Flowers um, today, actually. They gave him a one-year contract for the 2019 season uh, that comes along with a $6 million club option for the 2020 season. And only $4 million next year, so that's not going to count too much against the old uh, not-salary cap, the old payroll. Yep, so we know, we know we'll have uh, at least one catcher next year. And I guess the, I'm guessing a lot of this has to do with just his veteran presence with these younger pitchers. I know Fulte, I saw a quote from Fulte where he was just mentioning how huge Tyler has been for his confidence since he's come up. Yeah, and I think that's really important, especially on an organization that is rebuilding itself through its pitching. To have a guy that can come in here and really assist. You know, you forget about, you know, they call it the battery for a reason with the, with the pitcher and a catcher. I mean, the catcher is an essential part of calling a game for a pitcher. 
And um, when you got all these young guys, man, you need someone back there who can really support them and guide them and mentor them and work with them effectively to transform them into the players they want to be. And Flowers has done that this year. And even though the average is down, uh, you know, his on base is actually pretty good this season. He's drawing a lot of walks and um, gets hit a ton. Gets hit along with uh, his, his, <laughs> his, his, his poor Suzuki. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the move. And it's and you, you know what? Uh, hopefully he's in more of a backup role next year is what I'd like to see. And hopefully we can make a play for either Posey or Real Muto. I like to kind of see us go after, you know, superstar catcher. Plus Alex Jackson, our top catching prospects, really sucked it up this year. So he's definitely not ready. Yeah, he hasn't been good. I know he's been turning around a little bit. Um, there's also, I believe, William Contreras, who's the uh, brother of Wilson Contreras, who's a major leaguer, has been doing pretty well this year. But I think either way, neither one of those guys is ready to take the everyday starting uh, catching job next season. So like the move, and we'll see what else happens with the catching position. But do you think this means that they're not going to also resign Suzuki? You never know. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I would not be surprised if he's back. Yeah, I think if we can't get a Posey or a, or a Rimuto, because I think we'd have to trade for either one of them. I'm not sure about Posey's situation, but I know Real Muto, we'd have to we have to trade for him. I wouldn't be surprised if we just go with the same crew again. It's worked pretty well. It has. Uh, yeah, so I think that does it for our brace coverage this week. So, Graham, are you mentally, physically, and um, statistically – Ready to talk Falcons. Uh, statistically, not so much. <laughs> Mentally, I'm a head case, so probably not. Yeah. Physically, I'm feeling, yeah. No, I'm not really. <laughs> so we're going to have a short Falcons we're segment then. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. I think. Um, right, what do you got for me? Well, Falcons lost again in the preseason. Now 0-3. Who cares about that? Uh I heard them say only one team has ever made it to the Super Bowl after going 0-4 in the preseason. I think it was someone in 1981. I think I saw the same stat as you. But, yeah, we haven't won a preseason game um, the last two years so far. We're 0-7 the last two years. I'd also like to point out the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles were beaten 5-0 by the Cleveland Browns. It shows you just about how much preseason really matters. It doesn't matter, but my only concern is... I think, real quick, before I'm going to cut you off there. So I think there's a little bit of a difference between like reading too much into something and overreacting, you know, but still being able to take some things seriously enough. Because a lot of people say, oh, preseason doesn't matter. And there are people that are freak out and also say that, you know, uh, you know, I'm basing every expectation I have for the upcoming season on the preseason. I think there's a happy middle ground where you can still take into account the bad shit and the good shit and also try to contextualize it and say, you know what, we can improve on these things. Remember um, the year that we went to the Super Bowl? Didn't have the best preseason in the world. And then we came out against Tampa Bay. I remember you and I were at the Corner Tavern uh, on, what's that road? Moreland? In Little Five Points. Little Five Points on Moreland. And... We were just looking at each other like, this team's not going to the fucking playoffs. We're awful. We got beaten by Tampa Bay at home in week one of the fucking season. Yep. We drastically improve and 
win the NFC Championship and then have the most colossal Super Bowl let down in the history of man. At the same time, no one would have thought at that point after the preseason, after week one, that we would metamorphosize. So it's not like the season's set in stone because we're not having a great preseason. That's all I'm trying to say. I feel like you're arguing against no one here. No one's saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I know you're not saying Maybe that. Maybe other people are. I'm trying to say that to the users. Anyone who's freaking so, out right now. Well, I feel like... Adjustments I, can be made. I agree. But if, if using that Tampa Bay from two years ago as an example, it was almost like that. And our first game last year was shitty, too, against the Bears, where we barely beat them. Oh, it was awful. Um, it's it, it's like because awful. none of our players play at all any meaningful snaps in the preseason, it's like the first game is our warm-up. Yeah, and I think we can look at some of the things that... Didn't go well, but we also got to remember Devontae didn't play, Julio didn't play, Deion Jones didn't play. You know, we had some of our major stars not playing in this football. But game. that's exactly my point. These guys are, don't they haven't played all preseason, so who's to say they're going to be ready come that first game? Uh, I mean, it'll take a minute to get up to game speed. I don't expect us at all. I think the the Eagles game is an automatic loss. We haven't won in in Philly in like the history of of me watching Falcons football. It just doesn't happen. And I don't expect us to go out there and do it. Granted, they might not have a quarterback. You could say the same thing about the playoff game last season. You would think they oh they have Nick Foles. He was good in 2011. He sucks now. I can beat our asses and put 40 points on Tom Brady. Well, our defense held him down. They our, did. Our offense was terrible. Yes, it was. But you know, I'm not going to wig out about. It. I'm agreeing with you. I'm not going to wig out too much right now. But here's some things I didn't like. A lot of pressure on Matt Ryan um, from all sides. He was sacked a couple of times, a couple of big hits, which I, I really don't like to see him taking shots in the preseason, especially considering. Was, our, know, was our starting line in for that? Yes. All of them? I believe so. Um, you know, Fusco was officially named the starting right guard today. Not a big surprise. Not a big surprise. What would have been a bigger surprise, I think, is if he, if they had said, because there's a, there's a competition there. Because when Fusco was signed, he was signed to a three-year deal for like $12 million. And everybody's like, oh, Fusco's the automatic um, starting right guard. But then early in the preseason, or excuse me, early in training camp, they came out that Schweitzer was the starting right guard on the depth chart. And the depth charts were first released. So there was a lot of controversy going on there because Schweitzer, even though you see the effort, you know, he was one of the guys that got consistently beat on the O-line last year. And it was a little concerning that we were – you know, and people can progress, people can get better. And it's not to say that he couldn't get better, but it's like the point of bringing Fusco in was to be the starter. So it was nice to hear that he actually is going to start. We'll see how it turns out, you know. But overall, the O-line was definitely getting beat. And uh, Matt went down a few times and got pressured a bunch of other times during the first half. Yeah, that's concerning because that's something we saw a lot of last year. Especially in the playoffs, both against the Rams and against the Eagles. Matt had like no time. In those games. Yeah, really, our two major issues from last year we saw again in this game. There was that, and then receivers dropping balls. Yeah, there was a play on third and one. I can't remember if it was in the first quarter or the second quarter, but it was, um, first of all, third and one, I just like to get the one yard, just get the first down. But to play devil's advocate to that, there was a nice route that Sanu ran. He's in the end zone, Matt him with a perfect pass. It was vintage Matt Ryan. All you haters can jump off a cliff. It's a perfect pass, and Sanu just dropped it. And I was like, damn. Yeah. You know? And then we had to settle for a field goal. Red zone issues. Red zone issues once again cropped up. And it was like. Can't blame that one on Sark. You can't blame that on Sark. You can't blame that on Matt. 
Sanu ran the perfect route, got open, just let it slip through his fingers. Calvin Ridley also had a big drop in that game as well. And it's it's just it was kind of like deja vu over again. I felt like I was watching sort of the end of the regular season where it was like you knew we were we were good enough to compete, but not good enough to really win when it counted. That's how it kind of felt that whole first half to me. And I know that we uh, and the defense did do some good things. And I will say this: there's a lot of hype around Demonte KZ, and I hadn't really watched a ton of preseason yet um, until last week. And I watched part of the first game and part of the second game. But I really, you know, I watched a good amount of this Jacksonville game. That man in the first half was. It's like every play, he was making a tackle, he was breaking up a pass, he was like the announcer for calling his name for all the right reasons. He did have one of those bullshit new helmet penalties that the NFL calls, which they're going to have to sort out. That's a whole other conversation. I loved the athleticism and that will to get to the ball and the ball carry I saw from KZ. I mean, like, it was beautiful. I thought he was giving maximum effort. He's the guy I want as my nickel corner right now, him or Brian Poole. Isaiah Oliver is struggling like crazy. He's the rookie, right? He's the rookie that's drafted in the second round from Colorado. Yeah. He doesn't look very good. He also muffed a punt in this game, so I don't think he's going to be uh, returning kicks for us. And it's going to be interesting to see who is in that role for us. But KZ has got to be in, in, in at least a nickel corner for us this year or something like that. Like he, he's got to be playing. His head for the ball this year, he has progressed tremendously from last season. Based off the – the half of a preseason game you watched. Well, and also just some reports I've read. Okay. Like, 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 you know, within the Falcons riders, you know, your D, your D Orlando Ledbetters, your Von McClure's, um, your uh, Kelsey Conway's, they're all saying good things about him. Coaching staff speaking very highly of him. Watching that game, I was like, Jesus. I mean, this this guy's really uh, complete transformation in this football. That's great to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that defense is going to be our strength for sure. Yeah. It's just a matter of if the offense can get there. Yeah. Which is just so dumb because it's like we know we have the talent and it's it's just execution at this point. Make your blocks. Mm-hmm. Catch the ball. Yes. I mean, don't do bubble screens. Yeah. That one's for Sark. And I actually thought Sark called a decent game this game. I mean, even though we sputtered out on offense, I don't put that blame on him. I was like – even though I didn't see a lot of uh, trickeration or anything like that, or a lot of movement on the uh, on the line pre-snap, you know, it's you're not going to give that shit away in the preseason, right? There's that, and I also think that it wasn't, you know, the, the problems on offense you couldn't really attribute to bad play calling in this game, at least from my standpoint, for what that's worth. Despite this mediocre football talk, it's getting me very excited about. <laughs> the game coming up. That's next yeah. week, man. I know. Next week, next That's Thursday night. Thursday night is is the night uh, we fly up to Philly and and take on the defending champs. Yep. Graham and I won't be flying up to Philly. We'll be going to Brew House. Yeah, and little five points. Swing by if you want to watch the game with us. Yeah, that'd be exciting. Have a uh, liquor drink or two. Hopefully, it'd be a better turnout than the barbecue that we had yeah. <laughs> at the tailgate. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. You know, we're not ready to. I think next next week we'll do our we'll do our official uh, season preview. Yeah, but um, <laughs> one thing I would also like to point, you know, yeah, and it's like we'll get into you know more of the nitty gritty of what we're expecting from this season. But I'm not I'm not going to overreact at this point. I'm I'm taking it easy on being too hypercritical. But you know, one thing I would like to ask, you know, Duke Riley once again not impressive. 
Oh, was he same. terrible again? And it was you know, more of the same stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to regurgitate his problems because we all know him at this point. I mean, I heard someone say this week, I mean, there's danger. What if he doesn't even make the freaking team at this point? I think he, he, you know, there's a potential he's fighting for his life next week. I don't know if that's the truth. Um, you know, because Dan Quinn, no one in the organization is going to come out and say that. But there's some rumors out there. I mean, that'd be pretty wild. Third-round pick last season. Who's on on the hook right now for, you know, who knows what his fate's going to be. Yeah, that'd be a big miss, but that's the way she goes sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm ready to give up on him, but uh, and I'm not seeing much to indicate that he's progressed as a football player. Here's something to talk about. Um, you saw the contract that Odell Beckham Jr. signed. Yeah, five years, $95 million. That kind of screws up with Julio. That's the new rate. Yeah, that's a bitch load of money, as you would like to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to worry. Like, you know, at this point, the thing for me is, is like, I'm not worrying about next year. This is one of those those years where if you don't win the Super Bowl, it's it's a lost cause. So next year, year after that, I don't care. Okay. Whatever. We need to do everything we possibly can to go out and, and, and win the Super Bowl. Here, here's a uh, – we'll give a shout-out to the Falcoholic who posed this question. But I read this last week, I think, when they wrote the story. <laughs> Are you familiar with Cleo Mack, the uh, Raiders uh, yeah. the end? Absolute beast. Right. They're apparently shopping him around. Hmm. Why? Internal issues. Okay. He is uh, – this is the penultimate year of his rookie contract. I don't think they want to get into a uh, – trying to extend him. Or it might be the final year. Um. Maybe he's gonna he's gonna require a, a lot of money. He's a, he's a consistently been a better pass rusher than than Vic Beasley. Uh, Tack McKinley, you know, the jury's still out on him, but we like what we've seen from from Tack certainly uh, last season. Would you make a move to bring him into this defense, considering it would probably take first round pick? You know. It would be it would be a uh, premium price to bring him in. You have to give up a lot of assets. They're shopping him this year. Shopping him this year. Would you make that move to try and bring him in, regardless of what it might mean for the future? For the future. So that's going for it now. It's going for it now. It's saying we're all in. Screw it. Can I see the offense for four weeks first? Yeah, I mean they're trading on it's not until week six. Okay, as long as I can see the offense and they look halfway decent, it's something to think about. Okay, although. I don't know, man. Like we were just saying, though, defense, I don't think it's going to be our issue this year because I think we have a window for a Super Bowl, and it's not necessarily just this year. Okay. And that's going to completely screw us for the future, and I want sustained success. I think I would do it because the guy is a Von Miller-level elite, consistently elite pass rusher. People say we could be a top-10 defense this year. This makes you a top-five defense. But it doesn't guarantee you anything. It makes you a lot better. And then you've got all these young guys coming up for money, and you have all your draft picks gone now, so you're completely screwed. No, you let you let you win the Super Bowl. You let Mac walk. That's not a guarantee, though. And if you, if just you do this, your- if you do this, there's no guarantee. But if you do this, you're banking on the fact that you're going to win the Super Bowl. And if you don't, you have colossally failed. It's all in at this point. I don't know. I just had to I, listen I, to you, bitch, about trading first round. Oh yeah, picks I mean, for Julio Jones for the last four years, and that's a player we actually would have for seven years versus yeah, Khalil Mack. And I get that, but it's all moot. 
It's not going to happen. I can guarantee that. No, it's probably not going to happen. Let me, let me pose... It's hypothetical fantasy bullshit. Let me pose an actual real-life scenario. Say you're sitting in a bar. All right. I like this already. <laughs> <laughs> Say it's preseason week three. Okay? All right. And you've got a, a football team that's should be pretty damn good this year. And you're also a co-host of a podcast that strictly discusses Atlanta professional sports. Yeah. You with me so far? Yeah. So you've got a pretty good football team, but at the same time, you have a baseball team that's contending for the first time in five years. Five years. Playing a game at the same time. Which game do you want on the TV? Oh, Braves game. That's what I thought. But people are like, no, it's football, man. Football's on. You got to watch football. Fuck that. It's preseason. Like, you know, that year, the last time we were in the playoffs when we were playing the uh, Dodgers. And it was the elimination game. And the same night we were playing uh, the Jets. Falcons were. And it was like season was on the line kind of thing for the Falcons. I was like, I don't give a shit about the Falcons right now. I mean, I'm going to go back and forth a little bit. But when it's... Only when it's a commercial for the Braves. So here's the thing. Especially because it's so late in the year. And even if it wasn't, you give me the option between watching regular season baseball with a team that is contending and the preseason in the NFL, I am taking a game that matters. A game that matters is in the regular yeah, season. Granted, had it been last year, I'd probably go preseason. Because it didn't matter. Yeah, because exactly. Yeah. So, so it's like I think we're on the same page. Yeah, whoever thinks that is silly. Whoever yeah. thinks the inverse is silly is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I was a bartender. He's a fool. But I think, uh, I think this wraps up this episode of Atlanta Zone, Adam. I think so, Graham. Uh, Good work this week. Yeah, I thought it was, that was a lot of fun. So uh, thank you all for, for listening tonight. We really appreciate it, wherever you are and however you're listening to us. Uh, until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.